Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Hey everyone, J.J. Cooper, Kyle Glazer joining you, another Baseball America Facebook Live and Podcast, trade deadline edition, much as we did last week. I mean, it's trade deadline, so obviously that's what we're going to talk about. Last week of July, that's what it's all about. It's prospects, it's majors, it's, it's everything that you could enjoy. But we want to remind you and we thank you for joining us today. We also thank you to our sponsors at Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids. If you go to baseballism.com, you can get a cool shirt like this, cool hat like this. And if you enter the code BA2017, you will get free shipping on your next order. So do that and get cool gear and you'll save a little bit of money when you do. But so Kyle, as we sit here a few days away, I guess actually more than a few days away. Six, six to be exact. Six days away from the trade deadline. We've already had some significant deals, but the thing that jumps out is, is there are a lot of players who are still yet to be traded, who are going to be traded. Well, we always see really everything gets going that July 29th, 30th, 31st. Uh, JJ and I both, as part of a uh, project we're doing where we're looking back over the last decade plus of trades, you go back and the see... The entire that, 21st century in some cases. Pretty much. You go back and look and you see, you know, two trades on the 25th, another on the 27th, and then the 31st comes and it's a long list, 10, 11, 12, and really that's teams really trying to go down to the wire to find the best deal possible. And almost it's a little bit of a game of chicken. Who will blink first? Hey, we're two hours away. He's got two other guys. Maybe I should kick in this third prospect. And the other thing with that is is that a year like this is crazy because so many teams, especially you look in the American League, and there are so few teams out. Hey, the, sec- the wild card, especially the second wild card. The Angels and Orioles have been under 500 the whole year, and they're within three games, four games for the most part. And in some ways, that does lead to a difficult decision because do you go for it when you're really your hope is, is that you're going to limp into the second wild card? And I think the answer to that probably is yes. If you can get into the second wild card, you never know what's going to happen. You know, it's an interesting debate, and it's one that a lot of front offices are having. You know, we're talking to a lot of scouts out there just about what, you know, what goes on at this time of year. And one of the things that's interesting is you kind of have to make that calculation of what exactly do you mean by going for it? Does it mean, hey, you know, let's solidify, let's get an an extra arm, you know, maybe pick up, you know, a right-handed platoon bat to help us out. And if you do so, and all you have to trade are three or four lower-level prospects, History has shown, and we're going to go further into depth with this when we release our project here in a few days. History has shown you're actually pretty safe doing that. Now, if it means, hey, we're two games under 500, but only four games out, so let's trade every single one of our top guys thinking we're one piece away. No. Terrible no. idea. And that's, and that's where, you know, there's so much debate going on right now. You can't go onto a website. You can't open a newspaper. You can't watch a game without someone somewhere debating, do you trade your prospects, do you not trade your prospects? And the short answer is, generally speaking, 
Yes, but there is also some case-by-case -case basis. There's some nuance to that, but the reality is, is like, let's take a team like the Dodgers. And you look at the Dodgers and you say, this is a team that right now is on pace to have one of the great seasons of the 21st century. 70 and 31 entering today. I mean, 70 and 31. In translation, they could play 500 ball the rest of the year and still finish with probably the best record in the National League. Oh, by far. And they're not going to play 500 ball the rest of the year. But that being said, I also absolutely think that it would make sense for the Dodgers to make trades, because, especially because the Dodgers do not have many openings coming open. Uh, depth is less important to them to me as additional depth, prospect depth, than the value of getting another impact player. Well, it's interesting. The Dodgers, I think, are the test case a lot of people are fighting about right now. And what's interesting with them is, especially with Clinton Kershaw going down, especially when you consider the health track record of Rich Hill and Scott Kazmir and Brandon McCarthy and Hunjin Ryu, none of it is reliable. You know, That's why they have eight. Yeah. Right, exactly. You know, it's something where you say, okay, let's maybe go make a move for an arm here, and there's really been a lot of momentum towards that. And it comes down to, again, you know, people talking about, well, how much are you willing to give up? And as we move forward, I think it's going to be interesting to see, and really I think our project will shed some light on it, you're better off trading prospects more often than you think you are for proven big league veterans. Now again, that doesn't mean there's no chance something won't come back to bite you. There are cases like that, but they're rarer than you think. And overall, I think if you're the Dodgers, especially when you've won a bunch of division titles straight, haven't even gotten to the World Series, it's okay to make a move and trade some of the prospects that as a fan or a prospect junkie you might think are, oh, we have to keep this guy. In reality, you really don't always. To give an example that happened yet last night, late last night, so we have the Red Sox and the Giants making a trade. Eduardo Nunez goes to the Red Sox. The Red Sox send back, uh, most importantly, Sean Anderson, the uh, right-hander who was a prominent dude coming out of Florida just a couple of years ago. But that's the kind of trade when you're talking about this. And Eduardo Nunez is not a game changer for the Red Sox. This is not a guy who you say, you know, this is not the same thing as trading for Chris Sale, obviously. Right. <laughs> but that being said, that's the kind of trade that we're talking about. Works out, works out, we believe, and we've studied more often than not. Right, and that's right. the thing that goes, goes, so we pretty much what you find as you look further and further back, the acquisition cost of a veteran contributor is a lot of times one or two low-way arms, a mid-level guy here or there, and more often than not, that veteran contributor does more in his future playing career than those prospects ever do. That's different than when you're trading four or five guys who are number one guys in organizations, which actually very rarely happens. Right. Those are the trades. Look, if you look back on it, Addison Russell being traded in the uh, Jessa Marsha deal, that comes back to hurt. You know, but those are, we may see that Glaber Torres for Rolls Chapman could hurt, although again, they won a World Series. They so won a World Series, so it who cares? really won't really hurt. Right. But we've got a couple of questions we do want to get here. Uh, Corby Gilmore, and by the way, if you've got questions, ask them. We will answer them most all. We're not going to promise to answer every single one. But Corby Gilmore asks, uh, should Toronto move Donaldson and should Boston go after him? Again, it's going to depend. If all that they are going to get for Josh Donaldson, keep in mind Boston's system now is fairly empty, Boston doesn't have the pieces where Toronto can realistically get fair value back. Josh Donaldson's an MVP candidate contender, even though he's you know not been as amazing as he has been the past this year. 
you have to make that decision if you're Toronto coming off two straight years of reaching the ALCS. Obviously, things have not gone well this year. Oh, a lot of those guys are getting older. But just because after two great years, you've had one one year that hasn't gone well, is it really worth it to sell off arguably your best player for a bunch of lottery tickets? And some of that's going to depend on, okay, who exactly are the prospects who are offered? But again, if you're talking about Boston, they don't have the prospects right now in their system. You could say, yes, I would do that trade, especially interdivision. I mean, I was going to say, your Devers is going to have to be the starting point of that, and and I still don't know if you can get to that point where you actually make it. But the other thing with Donaldson is, is I don't think you have to, if you if you end up that you're going to trade Donaldson, I think trading Donaldson in the off season after you've had some time to figure out where does this team look like it's going to be for 2018 and beyond is a better idea to me than trading him now when the reality is, is it's not a good market for position players. And like Boston seems like the logical answer. But Boston now has Devers and Nunez. I'm not saying either of them in any way is Josh Donaldson right now. But the reality of it is, is that they're not in as dire a need as maybe you might think. Uh, a lot of good more questions here. Uh, we have Kevin Lee asking, who are the Braves going to move? And I don't think that they're going to, I mean, they've already moved Jaime Garcia. But they moved Jaime Garcia in one of those, it, it might be a shuffle. It, they're they're not saying that they're out of going out and acquiring someone else. They traded him as much kind of to clear the salary where maybe if they can get a starting pitcher, but I do think if they get a starting pitcher, we talked about this in the podcast last week, what do you, you think about this? Uh, to me, if they get a starting pitcher, they're getting a guy as much for 18 and 19 as they are for 17. And that's what a lot of these trades are. You know, a lot of these trades are going to be, hey, let's build back and try and you know play for the future a little bit. If you're the Braves, though, again, is Nick Markakis really going to bring back a huge guy? If you can no. somehow move Matt Kemp, is he going to bring no. back a huge guy? No. So if you want to trade Julio Tehran, sure you could. But again, if you're the Braves, you're building towards something. They've taken measurable steps this year in terms of their wins, their losses, how they're performing. And if you think, hey, this big wave is going to come up these next one or two years, you feel better with Julio Tehran in your rotation than out of it. I mean, to me, it's something where, again, there's – Maybe an off. It really just depends on the quality of the offer. If an offer comes in, you can't say no to. Sure, but to but, move him for the sake of moving him, you don't have to. But the other thing is, is that I do feel, and we saw this in the draft this year for the Braves. The Braves are at the point in their rebuild where they're less. I would say that they. I would infer from what they've done. They went. They had essentially a two-person draft. They spent more than their slot for Kyle Wright. They spent on Drew Waters, but beyond that. It was a pretty, they, they were okay with impact more than depth, more than numbers. I think it's kind of the same thing. I do not see the Braves making many trades now that says, hey, we brought in four or three okay prospects. They're looking for, okay, if it's not a difference maker, then what's the motivation? What's the motivation? They've got plenty of guys. Okay, you've got a nice arm. Again, the Garcia trade, they got a nice arm, is a long ways away. But that was a modest trade. I don't see them making a blockbuster where they say we're going to get it volume. They've, they've got volume already. Uh, moving along, we've got uh, Joseph Battaglia asked. This is one for you, Kyle. Yadier Alvarez, the Dodgers, said to have bad command but can reach the uh, upper 90s and beyond, I would say. Um, is he going to be a game changer or just a guy like who can light up a jugs gun? Which, if you can find a jugs gun at a game nowadays, I will say... Uh, uh, that would be impressive because uh, that would be, I, you know what? I am surprised there's not a hipster scout somewhere out there, you know, like, I mean, who basically, like, 
just brought up the jugs gun, gun, you know, or the jugs gun with the suitcase. That would be, you know, that's tied to it. That'd be awesome. Uh, the short answer on Yadier Alvarez is yes. Right now, he's a guy who throws hard and lights up a radar gun. Uh, has a very, very long way to go pitching wise, and there's a good number of evaluators out there who don't believe he'll get, do not believe he will get there. He's a guy who doesn't have a great feel for the zone. He doesn't really have a great idea of how to throw his breaking ball for a strike. He can bury his slider, but he can't really land in the strike zone. No feel for a changeup. So if you're talking about a guy who just throws a fastball really hard, and it's 95 to 99, which is obviously plenty of velocity, but it's not you know 103 like Tygo Vieira status. He's a very, very good pitcher. He's young, he's strong, he's built well, but he's got a long way to go. And I think there's been, uh, I want to say there's some overexcitement among Dodger fans about just how good he was in low A last year. High in, now they moved him up to double A, which the wisdom of it is questionable uh, considering what he was doing. And right now he's got a long way to go. I actually think if I'm the Dodgers and I say, you know, we don't want to trade Walker Bueller, that's fine. But the other team asked for Yadier Alvarez for a frontline starter? Absolutely. No questions asked. Right. I was going to say, it's not that Alvarez couldn't develop these, you know, he's, he's young, but the reality of it is, is that it's just, he's not nearly there yet, and that's no guarantee. And he's not going to be there next year. All the things he has to do, he's a guy, even though he's in double A, and you could theoretically see him come up and help you out in the bullpen late in the year, this is not a guy who's going to be in your rotation next year, you know, contending for Rookie of the Year award, unless some sort of crazy developmental leap that no scout anywhere who's watched his entire season thinks is coming. You know, so we'll, uh, Vic Matuzak asks, what is realistic, obviously what's a realistic trade offer for Zach Britton? Well, we've seen lefty relievers with that track record get pretty good hauls before. Uh, Andrew Miller and uh, Aroldis Chapman come to mind. I was going to say, now, now here's the interesting thing with this, is how much less does Britton get because as great as he was last year, and he's shown flashes this year, He's had some injury issues this year. I mean, I think that diminishes it a little bit, but at the same time, it's one of those things. I will trade him unless I'm getting that kind of right. I mean, would it diminish it a little bit? Yeah, maybe. But as soon as you start seeing the competitive bids line up, I'm sure someone will offer something good for him. And the Orioles are in that nice position where they can say, "Nah, we're okay," and they can really as you the, said, they can command the price they want. The Orioles have the difficult decision of being that they're still kind of on the fringe of the. Uh, of the wild Which card is race. amazing considering how bad their starting rotation has been. But I think that says more about the quality of the American League than it does the Orioles. I, the funny thing is, is, I actually think the American League overall is not that bad. Really what it comes down to is, is that what you don't have in the American League with, you know, is the dregs that you have in the National League. You have instead all these teams that are... All these teams are going to end up somewhere between... So the White between, Sox are starting to move, White Sox, move down. <laughs> right. But beyond that, like you're talking about all these teams that are going to be in, going to end up anywhere from 75 to 90 wins, which is that, that muddy middle. And a lot in 90... So 75 to 83, I'd say. I don't, I don't, I don't see the Angels or Orioles no, getting a 90. Okay. No, I'm saying, but what do you think? How many wins does the second wild card have in the AL? I'd put it about 86. Yeah, that's 86, 87, I think. Yeah. And... I say that partly because there are so many teams that are sitting there right around 500. Someone, one of them has to play five, six games above 500 for the rest of the one season. One of them's going to have a run somewhere. And first week of September, hey, we just reeled off seven of nine, and that'll be the difference. Uh, Donald Wilhelmus asks, will the Reds make a trade before the deadline? I, If I'm a Reds fan, I would say I hope so because – and. I will say, I hope, if I'm a Red fan, I'll be saying I hope so, and then I'm going to say that if I was a Red fan, I'd probably then be upset about it, because 
If you trade Zach Cozart, which you should trade, you absolutely should trade Zach Cozart. Zach Cozart is having the best year of his career. He's hitting free agency. The Reds aren't going to the playoffs. Put those three things together and everything about that screams trade deadline deal. That being said, and I understand Reds fans, you're gonna, the trade's gonna happen. You're gonna look at the return and it's gonna be Jay Bruce part two, where you look at it and you say, Dilson Herrera and Max Wodel? I mean, is that, you know, Wattel, is that the best we could do? And the reality of it is, is it'll probably be better than that because he's a shortstop, but there aren't many teams that you can logically match up and say, say play, playoff teams. There's lots of teams, teams who would like a shortstop, but but buy, they're not acquiring but, but, but a free buy, agent buy, or rental. Buying teams, right? Right. Teams that are legitimately in the playoff hunt. You look at, you know, hey, I'll give uh, one of our interns, Justin Perline, keeps throwing it out. He's like, he would love to see a Reds Twins deal, Mitch Garver. So the the Reds would end up with both of the Twins catching prospects from last year. They already have Stuart Turner, who they took in the Rule Five draft. But Mitch Garver for uh, for Kozar. If it happens, give Justin credit. I think Zach Kozar would cost a lot more than Mitch Garver. As much as Garver does some I, nice things, if I'm... I will say, I mean, I I think he will cost more than that. I don't think it'll be as much more than that than you think. Just from the standpoint of, again, I'll come back to the JD Martinez trade was eye opening. JD Martinez, not the glove, not his value. I mean, he's a bat. That's all he is. That being said. J.D. Martinez is a better player than Zach Cozart. Would we agree? I think he's a better hitter, yes. More valuable player overall. Yeah, I'd rather you'd rather have J.D. Martinez in your lineup than Zach Cozart, although you wouldn't mind having both. No, oh, they're both good. Zach Cozart was an all-star this year and well-earned all-star. No but question. that being said, and the return for J.D. Martinez was pretty modest, um, the return for Cozart is probably going to be modest as well, unless... You're hoping for a bidding war, but you got to find two, three teams to get that bidding war going, and that's where it's going to be difficult. Uh, so we have uh, also looking here, uh, Matt I, Johnson. I, I don't yeah. say it seems like sometimes though, and I can understand how it can be confusing. Sometimes I feel like fans are hearing your prospects aren't as valuable as you think, but neither are your big leaguers, and I think that's where you kind of have to really take into consideration. It's not just about the quality of the player, the contract when it's up plays a huge role oh, in the quality. Oh, that's why Quintana, I mean, the Jose Quintana trade is as much about the three years remaining after this year on that deal right. so think, as they are improving a team for this year. So I think that's one of those things. That I, th I, just, I do find that a lot of people are coming out from both sides. Your prospects aren't as good as you think, but now they're your major leaguers. There are talented players out there, and that's where, again, contract status and, and a little bit sometimes even just kind of teams having familiarity with each other in terms of how they've dealt with each other in the past can play up a little bit. Uh, Earl Oxley Jr. has a statement. Astros won't do anything. Wrong. I, I think that they will. I mean, I, I think that they will do something. Uh, and again, there may be Astros fans who say it won't be enough. But I also look at the Astros right now and I ask you the question. I mean, how much do they need to do? Obviously, you want to win it, and they haven't done that, but think, they're think, really good. I think the one thing you could say is with Lance McCullers really struggling here now in July, you can say, hey, let's go get you know a frontline right-handed starter type to try and pair with Dallas Keuchel, whether that's Garrett Cole, whether that's Sonny Gray. Not that Cole's had a great year, and not that Gray has the greatest health or injury record, but just someone like that, I, I can 
see it, but at the same time, they're in a really good spot. You look at the rest of the American League, I think the Indians are coming. We've, we've seen them get back into first place in the Central, and they're, they're starting to play good ball again. But the Astros, I think, can afford to kind of dictate to the market. And if they decide not to do anything, it's not the worst thing in the world. They're a really good team. Right. I do think starting pitching uh, is... Uh, the other thing, they have the luxury. They're in a situation where Carlos Correa is out till late, late in the season. Bregman left the game yesterday with a hamstring uh, injury, although I've yet to hear you know, how detailed, how difficult that's going to be long-term for him. But they are so far ahead that we're coming up on the deadline, and you're not like they've got to get a shortstop because it's like, no. If they've got enough margin there that they could lose five, eight, ten games off their lead, shrug their shoulders. So right. it's a nice thing to, of when you play as good as they, as well as they have so far. Um, the other thing I would say though with that though is, is about for the Astros is they're a team that has so much upper level prospect depth. I guys who do not fit into their long term plans. You know, outfielders. 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 There's no way that you can really map a scenario where Kyle Tucker, Preston Tucker, uh, Teoscar Hernandez, Derek Fisher, Ramon Lariano, Jason Martin, Miles Straw, and again, you could throw in like Tony Kemp. Now, all these, the values of these differ as far as their value in trade, but that is eight outfielders, and that's not counting J.D. Davis who can play a little bit of outfielder in addition to third base. That's eight outfielders in high A or above who all could have some sort of value in trade, they're not all going to play in Houston. And Especially so, not with uh, George Springer right. taking one spot already. And right. So you could trade... Josh Reddick, four-year, 52 mil. Right. Exactly. So you can. there's only going to be one job coming open next year. Left field, that could come open. But other than that, the Astros don't have many openings coming up in the, in the lineup. And with that being said, so they have the depth. They can trade a Derek Fisher or a Teoscar Hernandez, or if you really want to go with you know the big gun, you can trade a Kyle Tucker. And also, you need pitching. Well, they've got Franklin Perez. They got Forrest Whitley. They've got you know they have the ammunition to trade. Now you don't want to trade all of them, but they have ammunition to trade, which uh, it's a good position to be in. You'd rather have the ammo than not have the ammo. Um, so uh, Jacob Bartlett asks, this one put you on the spot. What's a realistic package from the Braves that the A's would ask for Sonny Gray? That's tough because, you I know. Mean, I think, again, you're talking about a, a frontline young starter, and there is a health concern, but he stayed healthy this year. You're, you are looking at probably two frontline prospect types at minimum. I, I think you're, you're talking, you're starting with an Allard or Soroka. As and, like, and you've probably got to mix in. And Albies in there as well. Yeah, you know, one Al frontline pitcher, one frontline. I think that player. I just get the feeling that Albies, you know, if there's a trade like that that happens, Albies is going to be part of it. Uh, you know, but no, I, so for some if, if you're comfortable with an Allard Albies to start, and then you probably got to mix in third and fourth guys who are very quality guys as well. I mean, if you're comfortable with that, I think that's the starting point. But also, again, you got to remember that the Braves aren't just trying to find a package that, you know, Oakland might like. They have to find a package that will beat what other suitors are offering Oakland. So, you know, they're, they might have to step it up and add a third really, really good piece in there. If that's Allard and Soroka, I don't know if they'd do it, but because we know how much the Braves love their young pitching. But, I mean, expect it to be a hefty price tag. If, you know, the Braves, I think we have, what, six or seven top 100 guys? You're going to have to move two of them and don't... Why? I think nine. It's up to it's nine. Up to, yeah. up to nine now? 
No, yeah, they had nine. This, uh, Gohara was the last one on it. Uh, so, I mean, if you're you're going to probably two of those in the top 50, probably, and probably another one that's in the 50 to 100 range. So mm-hmm. that that's really what frontline pitching is going to take. Uh, Wong Cruz asked, can Mateo and others get the Yankees' Sonny Gray? No. I, no. no. I mean, I know Mateo's no, had a really no, good month. No, 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 He's had a really good month. That's the kind of trade. File this under your prospects are not as good as you think right. they are. I mean, the reality he could be the third, guy, third or fourth guy in the deal. But, but I mean, it, the starting point on that is is going to be more of the uh, Floreal. I mean, again, the Yankees have the ammo, I think, to do it. You know, But you're going to be talking about more of the Floreals and... Uh, again, I think, I think you're even talking about Clint Frazier. He's in the majors, but yeah. he's still young. He's still a guy that a lot of teams covet. And I mean, if okay, if you want to go Frazier, Chance Adams, and then Jorge Mateo is your third guy, maybe. But I don't know. Again, and then I would say again, they're, and they're one where, if I'm making that trade with them, I'm asking for it's going to be a quantity type deal too. Hey, throw in a Jorge Guzman, or you know what, I'll take rehabbing James Caprillion. You know, things like that where. You're probably not going to get all the guys you ask for, but uh, you know, hey, it's a it's a big package. Don't don't overestimate. Especially pitching, we've seen costs a lot in terms of prospects. Uh, Simi Cohen says regular season isn't consideration for Astros, Nats, and Dodgers. I doubt they move a top prospect just to improve postseason team. That's exactly why I think they would trade a guy because, I, again, yes, it is wonderful if you are the Seattle Mariners. It is great to remember the amazing, amazing team you had. And then you look up and you go, we don't even have an American League champion. Right, right where's the flag? Where's the banner? And, you know, it's not the same. I mean, the reality of it is, is that it's the most important thing you can do is win the World Series. That's the point of all this, you know, and that's what's funny. The whole building a farm system, the point of it is to eventually win a World Series. And, and, and that's... The thing about it is, is that what we have seen in recent years is the trades that make you trades. There are trades that make you better in the postseason more so than they do in the regular season. The Chicago Cubs did not need a Roldis Chapman last year to win to make it to the playoffs. They could have been fine, but they needed a Roldis Chapman in the playoffs. You know, if you look at it, the Indians again, same kind of story. Cleveland, what Andrew Miller did for them, you know, really is more about the playoffs. That's the kind of thing I, I do think what you're looking with all these teams. Like, if you look at the Nationals, you, you cannot be comfortable if you're the Nationals saying, yes, we feel confident we can beat an L.A. Dodgers team where we know that we get to the eighth inning, not the ninth. We get to the eighth inning in that series, and Kenley Jansen's coming in, and we are probably not scoring. And we don't have a guy who we can and, put out. I mean, and Sean they don't Dupont know and Ryan Matson are, are nice pickups, but again, matching up that sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth against that offense, you need more than two two bodies. So some teams, all these teams, everyone can always stand to improve. There is no perfect team out there, but I think the Nats of those teams, especially, especially when you consider they've never been to a World Series as a franchise, and Harper is going to be a free agent coming up. There's a little bit of desperation there, and there should be. Um, we've got to wrap up before too long, but. Uh... Matt Johnson asked, Rays just outside the wild card, Kiermaier nearing return. What could they add by July 31st? Well, they've also got some upper-level guys. Again, I don't think you move Adamas or Honeywell. And that's where it goes back to the, the, we talked earlier about prospects not being as valuable as you think they are. The top, top tier guys are, are the ones who don't get moved, are that valuable. Corey Seager and Cody Bellinger weren't moved 
for Chris Dale or David Price because the Dodgers knew these guys are really, really, really good. And it wasn't just the Dodgers. Everyone knew from the time they were in high and ranch Cucamonga, you're not going to miss on these guys. But short of that level of guy, and you could argue outside of Walker Bueller, the Dodgers don't have a guy of that level right now. That's the only guy. So, that's, that's the un- I'm not saying he's untouchable because the right deal, you can trade anyone. But that's the only guy in their organization right now that I'd be like, I can't know. I, I'm saying no. So, I, you know, I, but going back to the Rays, right now, you know, do you move Adamus or Honeywell? Probably not. Those are really, really top guys. You know, once you get into that Jake Bowers area, yeah, there's moves you can make. I would not be surprised to see the Rays do something to help a little bit. Um, we already saw them go get the Danny Echeverria. Which I think, you know, helps you know, a little bit from a glove standpoint. Right. You know, I, we've seen, you know, the rotation's been really, really right. good. I was going to say bullpen more, bullpen more than rotation to me. You know, bullpen. And, and you can always add another bat. I mean, this is a team that is by no means a murderer's row of guys. So, and especially with what the cost of offense appears to be having the JT Martinez trade set the market, I would not be surprised to see them deal one of those, you know, guys in their three through six prospect range to get, you know, a potentially impact bat. That would make sense. Uh, wrap it up with Grant West asking about the Phillies. He'd love to see them so high on Neshek, Galvis, maybe even Hellickson. Literally anything different is better than what they have on the field now. I understand if you're a Phillies fan, that's a fair comment to make. It's been a brutal, brutal year. Daniel Nava went on the DL today, which one of my all-time faves, which does mean that Daniel Nava will not be dealt before the deadline. You know, you know so. I just remember when I uh, did our ML, some MLB coverage, I did a little Northeast uh, swing earlier in the year, and I caught two, caught two Phillies games and two Padres games. And at the time, the Padres had a worse record than the Phillies. You watch those two teams, it was night and day that the Padres had more talent on the field than the Phillies. And that Which was, is strange. When that was a team because you knew the Padres were coming in saying, oh, we're not even trying this year. Well, like, no qualms about it. And it How was, crazy is that the Padres could end up with the third worst record in the National League? Which is, for that team, an accomplishment. Yeah, it would be, you know, we'll see. If, I mean, we'll, accomplishment. We'll, we'll see again if the starting pitching holds up. But going back to the Phillies, they've got a nice group of guys in AAA. They could use some more. So, yeah, I mean, that's a team where... You sell anything sell, that's not sell, nailed down. Right. Even if the prospects you get back aren't the greatest things in the world, you know... For Jeremy Hellickson, who's you know on a one-year qualifying offer deal, yeah, just get something. So yes, Phillies, you know, we talk about the Braves, right? The Braves rebuild is on the way up. That's why they're not inclined to sell every little thing. The Phillies rebuild is still on the way down. You're, I think, well, it's interesting be okay because they really were like, I would say that you came into the year with them saying, okay, they should just build on the momentum of a pretty of an improving year last year. They were better in the second half of the first half. They had some guys who you hoped would were showing that they were signs, that, you know, parts of the future. Some of those guys look less like parts of the future now than they did when the season began. Yeah. I mean, right now there are very few guys who you point to on that big league roster who haven't just come up and say, yeah, he's key part of this team going forward. So, you know, there is a promising group down in AAA right now, Reese Hoskins especially as a guy. After seeing him, I have very little doubts this guy's going to be an impact bat in the major leagues and just – kind of build up, you know, maybe if that means moving Tommy Joseph. I mean, just because you could, well, I say you could get sling for him, but again, we've seen you're, you're, right now the, the the cost of a bat is, you're not going to get A bat only bat is very modest. So at the end but of again, the But again, on the flip side, if you're looking for a, you know, uh, the thing that does baffle me, and I know they've, they've thrown a couple of different things at it, but it does baffle me that we are still sitting here six days from the trade deadline, 
And, you know, they've now done Todd Frazier and they've got Chase Headley and all that. But, you know, I, I still think, like, can't the Yankees go out and get a, you know, a, they've had some, some gaping holes in their lineup and that just seems like things that they could fix. No question about it. I, think the, I, I do think every year there's a big trade no one sees coming. And whether that's the Yankees making a move, whether it's a, another, a different team kind of on the fridge making a way bigger deal, one of the teams we've dismissed is, eh, I don't know if they'll do anything big. Watch. One of them will probably do something big no one sees coming. And some of that, again, is a little bit of, you know, if you feel even like you have the slightest chance of winning the World Series, for a lot of clubs, not all, you're going to make a move that might be overly aggressive in some eyes. And if know, it works, it'll if pay it works, off. it pays off. Other times, if it doesn't, it's a problem. But, you know, that's part of the risk of the game. But, well, that's going to wrap it up for us today here. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Thank you for all the questions. Uh, a lot of great questions today. And thank you to our followers for tuning in. Today's podcast and Facebook Live are brought to you and sponsored by Baseballism. Visit baseballism.com and get the best apparel in baseball, enter the code BA2017, and you will get free shipping on your next order. For Kyle Glazer, I'm J.J. Cooper. So long, everybody. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.